thousand, thousand years, yep. And this should be the right page. Okay. Um, so let's get to Revelation 20. And let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you love us and that you've given us your word. We pray that you'd grant us good understanding of it, that we would know you better. Uh, that's what's important. And uh, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So Revelation 20, um, we've got this mention and we, we looked at, you know, to my surprise, it says thousand years, like five times in those first you know, six verses there. Uh, but this is the only place in Scripture where we have this thousand-year reference to um, the time between Christ's ascension and his return or just anything to do with last things, thousand years. This is the only, the only mention here. Uh, Peter uses it in 2 Peter 3, but it's in kind of a different, kind of a different way. Um, what's Peter say in 2 Peter 3? Yeah, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And so he is talking about the, the return of Jesus there, but he's not talking uh, so much about like a calling that uh, period a thousand years. He's just uh, he's responding to the mockers in the church who were saying, Jesus hasn't shown up yet, and it's AD 66. You guys are fools for thinking he'll ever come back because... Every day is just like the day before it, and as it has always been. And Peter's response there in Second Peter 3 is, that's what they said during the days of Noah. And you know what happened then. Um, and everyone got surprised who was mocking Noah, just like those folks are mocking you. Um, they'll get surprised as well. Yeah, but Jesus will return, and instead of a flood, he'll uh, torch the earth. It'll be fire. Um, they don't cleanse the earth by fire instead of by uh, instead of by water. Okay, but uh, uh, so uh, as we look at uh, Revelation 27 through 21, 5, uh, we see a number of sections here. Um, as you look at um, seven seven through ten here, um, put your eyes over that, um, and I guess let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and read it. We're 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 here, so let's do that. Uh, let's see. Anna, can you read our first verse there? Um, seven. We'll just go across the front row and then to Emily. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and, oh, <laughs> and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. The miserable who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay. Um, so notice what's being said here at the very uh, beginning of this uh, section here. Um, verse verse seven. What's it tell us? Thousand years are over. Yeah, when the thousand years are over. Um, so you know, what we've been looking at here and saying what makes the most sense of, of what we see in all of Scripture and all the various places that talks about what's 
what's going on now and what's been going on since Jesus was ascended and what will happen um, is is that we're we're in this uh, period so you've got um, uh, the cross here and then Jesus goes up to heaven you got a thousand thousand years here and um, thousand years uh, is over at some point we learn here right uh, and so we read about that now thousand years are over and what happens at this thousand year point that we read about here okay Satan's released so during the thousand years so here's this is heaven up here let's just do um, down down on earth here thousand years um, during this thousand years on earth um, Satan has not been what what released yeah so Satan is Satan is bound during this thousand years now, what did we read about up uh, before, like maybe around verse 3 or verse 2? He's bound in what way? What are the, what are the, what's John say there? From deceiving the nations. From deceiving the nations. So he's not bound in every way, uh, but he's bound from deceiving the nations. Now, um, in the Old Testament, um, who, who was of saving faith mostly in the Old Testament? The Israelites. Yeah, and Israel was a nation, and the nations were deceived, weren't they? Um, they were going after all kinds of other gods, but God has this little uh, oasis here of, um, of belief in the promise, the promised land, this one nation, one holy nation, the nation of Israel. But we read that at the beginning of the thousand years, that Satan is bound from deceiving what? The nations. The nations. Period. Or sorry, plural. Different P word. I don't know where that came from. Sorry. Um, <laughs> until I'm, I'm, I'm a visual verbal guy. Um, I, I saw the P and I went with it. Okay, so he's bound. I'm not bound in every way, but bound from deceiving the nations. Okay, so in the Old Testament, the nations were deceived, but then there's this battle in heaven, which we also read about in Revelation 12, when Jesus ascends, right? He's, 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 he escapes from the grasp of the dragon trying to kill him, uh, but he's, he's, he's snatched up to heaven, uh, we read in Jesus is, in, in, um, in uh, Revelation 12. So Jesus is snatched up into heaven, and then there's this battle that occurs, Michael and the archangels fight against Satan. And then who wins and who loses there? The good guys win. The good guys win. And what happens to Satan and his demons? They're cast down, They're the cast down to the earth. Okay, now, had they not been cast down to the earth? Well, if you're a good test taker, what's your answer? No. Right, they hadn't been cast down to the earth. Where do we see evidence of that in the Old Testament? Job. 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 And, yeah. Uh, Second Kings, second or First Kings at the end, uh, with uh, Micaiah the prophet and Jehoshaphat and Ahab, and God says, "Who shall I send as a deceiving spirit to fool Ahab into going into battle against Ramoth Gilead?" And one of the angels there says, "I will go." Okay, but also in Job we see it more clearly. Uh, the angels all report to God, and among those angels are the wicked angels. Who, who taunt God and say, Job only follows you, 
um, because you've made his life so good. But take away all the good stuff from his life and he'll curse you. And God says, I'll take that bet. <laughs> right? So Satan goes out. And so we see the demonic uh, angelic, you know, the, the demons are angels who have fallen. Um, and, and we see that presence in, in heaven in the Old Testament. Okay, unless we want to call Job one not scripture. Okay, unless we want to call it end of second or in, in the first Kings, not scripture. And so we accept scripture, whatever our preconceived notions are. That sounds weird to us that the, the, the demons are in heaven, but our our basis of belief is not what sounds weird to me. Our basis of belief is what the Bible says. Right? And so that's that's a, a thing you, you as a Christian you want to get in your get in your soul and your mind and your heart if the Bible says it it's true regardless of what I've always heard what I've always thought what I've always been told I don't care what I've always heard what I've always thought and what I've always been told when you see scripture teaching you differently you cling to it and not to your dumb wrong notions <laughs> right I don't want to be dumb anymore I want to see things the way God sees them. So, so we, we look at Job in that. And so then that matches up with what we see in Revelation, Revelation 12. There's battle in heaven when Jesus is snatched up there between the angels. Satan loses. He's cast down to heaven. And all heaven rejoices in Revelation 12 and says, basically, what? Can you remember what they say there? Yeah, woe to the earth. They're rejoicing, but they say, but woe to the earth. For Satan has been cast down. And, and, and you read more about the trouble on the earth and the persecution to those who uh, follow the testimony of Jesus. That's the end of Revelation 12 there. So, so there's this rejoicing in heaven. We don't have to hear the accuser of the brothers here with us anymore. Okay, now you can, you know, so there's there's a, uh, um, a, a tentative uh, um, preliminary judgment based on what's true that happens when each dead believer or when each dead per, when each person dies okay what's the preliminary judgment that happens when each person dies heaven or hell but that's not final judgment right that's a preliminary judgment souls go on um second uh, peter um two uh souls of the wicked are held in prison in, in hell until the day of judgment. That's what Peter teaches there, Second Peter 2. And uh, souls of believers, uh, Philippians 1, verses you know, the 20, 23 is a good place, and, and 2 Corinthians 5, verses 8 through 10. Souls of believers go where when they die? Heaven. heaven. So God knows what, what what's what. He's not fooled. Souls go to hell or heaven upon death. Scripture teaches that. But scripture teaches that that's not final judgment. Okay, Final judgment is, in the end, when all bodies are reunited with souls and they all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, which we'll get to in just a, a, a few minutes. Okay, um, But um, for the time being, what's, what's going on here, Satan has been cast down to the earth and his uh, home base, where he, think about it, is where he goes home at night to sleep is <laughs> no longer heaven because he's cast down 
Where has he been cast down to? Yes, Christine, say it louder. The abyss. The abyss. Now connect this up with Jesus and the pigs. Right? What are the pigs? They're, they're bargaining with Jesus. They're negotiating with Jesus because they know who he is. Human beings don't understand. The disciples don't understand who Jesus is completely. But the demons always know who Jesus is, don't they? Why? Because they've been here together. They say, oh, he's here. <laughs> and, and they call him consistently, you're the Holy One of God. They identify him correctly through the Gospels, but no one else is identifying Jesus correctly with a few exceptions. Okay. And so they say, you know, what do you have to do? What do we have to do with you, Holy One of God? And they beg him not for him not to do what? Cast them into the abyss. Cast them into the abyss. So they're not there yet during the incarnation. That's what scripture's teaching us. Okay? They still they still go home at night to sleep up here, so to speak. I mean, it, I don't think angels sleep, but just think of it that way. That's helpful. That's their home base, and they come from heaven to taunt people to cause chaos, to cause disease and death and all kinds of things on the earth. But but they're coming from heaven. But but and so when Jesus is on the earth, they say, "Don't cast us yet. Don't cast us yet into, into the abyss." Uh, and so Jesus casts them where instead? Into the pigs. Yeah, and they don't do the pigs very much good, do they? No. Um, and, and But we read that when Jesus does uh, ascend, Revelation 12, that the demons are cast down into the abyss. Okay, and so that's that's Revelation 12. Um, yeah, Emily. Yeah, there's a lot of like confusion, I think, about this. Yeah, um, there is. Especially like people believing that demons, oh, well, maybe this is just something that I'm curious about, like yeah. demons present on the earth right now. Yeah. A lot of times people say that like angels come and visit and there's a spiritual battle happening like on the earth, but we just can't see it. And I never know how to like answer that, but it's come up about three or four times. Yeah, there's not a ton about angels in scripture, but there is a but there is a good bit. <laughs> that it, it, but um, uh, you do see in the Old Testament um, that once in a while, human beings, God gives them ability to see the angels that are fighting above them. And so you've got um, uh, Elijah on, on Mount Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai. It's just different, <laughs> different names for the same thing. God uses them in it, so do people. Uh, but he's on the top. He, you know, he's had the Mount Carmel experience, and he flees to um, uh, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, um, and um, he's uh, he, he's given ability. Then, if I'm not confusing stories, sometimes I get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. Uh, but he's given ability to see the angels above him uh, fighting, and so you, you you see that from time to time, um, and. Uh, and there is spiritual battle going on. Um, and it's part of the idea of the Lord of hosts, you know, Yahweh Sabaoth, um, that, that the hosts are the angelic army. And, and God is, is the commander, calls that angelic army up to fight for us. Um, and so there is more angelic activity than we give credit for. And, and so, um, you know, people can get weird with that, 
but we don't have to be uncomfortable with that either. We just have to say, you know, there's that's going on. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we find out, you know, like in Hebrews and, and a couple other places that it's the angel, an angel who delivers the Ten Commandments um, to Moses. Uh, it's Hebrews 1, 2. Um, uh, and, of course, you see angels speaking to all kinds of Old Testament figures as well. Um, and, and so don't be, don't be kind of afraid. Angels are not a... Um, you know, like a charismatic thing. Although charismatics like to talk about, uh, charismatic Christians like to talk about them a lot, but that, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill's gonna give talk, testimony they, here. They, just, they don't just talk about it, they harness their power. Yeah. yeah. My mom's sister taught her to ask for a finder angel whenever she's misplaced her keys or her yeah. credit card. Yeah. She was like, I can ask for a finder angel to help me find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What one of the, Bill? One of the things that got uh, my myself and my friends, I think, kind of all in the same Sunday, we were going to a kind of a pseudo charismatic church. It was basically a vineyard kind of church. Um, so they don't say every Christian needs to speak in tongues, but they really like those gifts: word of knowledge and and uh, prophecy and tongues and that kind of thing. So it was a it was a it was my first two years of college, and our junior year, we kind of all departed, and it was. It was this one year where this the associate pastor just kind of leaned into this idea that there's a, a demon of this and a spirit of that, and I sense a spirit of academia here, and a, you know there's a there's a demon for everything. Or is it in, in Campus Crusade at Ohio State during those years, they used to kid about the demon and the big poopy. Got constipated, but. <laughs> and you pray against the demon of the big poopy, right? And, and, and that's the thing. It's praying against um, as if they have some kind of power and as if you have magical powers that battle these demons and that you're involved in that. And, and the fact that Scripture doesn't give us a lot of instruction on how to interact with angels or, or very much about them, um, although the writer of Hebrews says, you know, they're servants for us and they're actively serving God's people. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. And so we're comfortable with that. Um, they serve us and they're, you know, I, for those of you who are older, you know, the Amy Grant song, you know, Angels Watching Over Me. It's really, it's theologically a very good song. You know, she says, basically, I didn't get in a wreck today in the car because there were angels watching over me. And um, that, that's justified by scripture and book of Hebrews where it specifically says God's angels are serving his people. It's part of, um, part of the argument that, that uh, uh, angels will serve us and tying that in with Jesus' supremacy. Yeah. So um, when Jesus ascends and the demons are cast into the abyss, yes. does that mean that today, presently, that there aren't what demons on the earth like i don't know i'm just like so no it means their home base is the abyss instead of heaven okay yeah so good good question clarifying and so um and so we see in in revelation 12 you know very much right there um same uh and the abyss is is a synonym for hell um and so now their uh, uh, um, their home base is where the dead souls of the unbelieving have been going and having to stay all the time. Mm -hmm. 
but now these angels are confined to there as their home base too and they're not in the presence of god anymore and that's why heaven rejoices upon the ascension of jesus because there's battle satan and his demons have been cast down to the earth cast down to the abyss and then we see that again um repeated for us look at chapter chapter 20 there um I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, good angel, um, holding in his hand a great chain, uh, or sorry, having the key to the abyss. Verse, are you doing? Uh, verse yeah. 1, chapter 20, verse 1. Oh. Thank you, Bill. Uh, I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, good heaven, or good angel serving God, um, having the key to the abyss, key to hell, um, holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon. Okay, this is, this is John doing a, a, a re-up of what he already told us in chapter 12. Okay, the battle has occurred. The angels, uh, the demonic angels have lost and they are being cast down into the abyss. Um, he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, so we don't have to wonder who the, the dragon in Revelation is anymore, um, and bound him for a thousand years. Okay, so that's just a, it's just a retelling of what we saw in Revelation 12, which is what you see in Revelation, just a retelling of all these different things in um, ways that where you've got, um, you know, Venn, Venn diagrams, you know, and, and so, you know, there, there's certain commonality between uh, Revelation 20 um, and uh, Revelation 12 and how they talk about the casting down of Satan. Okay, and so you see different bits of overlap, but just because there are different parts that are revealed more here or more here, you don't say it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you understand this is the same. God uses synonyms, okay, just as a little coined phrase or a slogan there. God uses synonyms, and, um, and so this is a, a retelling uh, of that in a, in a different way to just give us a slightly different angle on it. Um, and so Satan's bound for a thousand. Uh, uh, he threw him in the abyss, verse 3. So this good angel with the key to the abyss to lock it up with a chain for Satan and his angels. That is, you know, uh, imagine uh, um, a dragon in Shrek, right? And he's got the chain on his ankle and he can't, he can only go a certain distance. And then he's trying to get Shrek and Donkey, and then, then he can't go any further because the, the chain has his ankle, right? So that's the same thing. So the chain has his ankle. Uh, Satan and his demons can't get up to heaven, so to speak. That's what this is symbolically showing. But they can get around on the earth, but they're on a chain. Like your dog who wants to run after the squirrel when you've got him on his leash. Okay, he's got a certain amount of freedom. He's not tied to your steps. He's got a certain amount of freedom, but he's got a certain amount of restriction, too. And so this angel has a, has a chain, but he locks up the abyss, and he seals uh, Satan um, down there uh, so that, um, locked in verse 3, he threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. So during this thousand years, um, the nations are not being... Deceived. Deceived. Um, key other place where we see the word nations is at the end of Matthew. Great Commission. Great Commission. And what's what's uh, Jesus say to his disciples in the Great Commission? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
Yeah, make disciples of all nations. Why can they do this? Because Jesus, yeah, Jesus is about to go off. The battle's going to happen. Satan's going to be cast down to the abyss, and he's going to be kept from deceiving, deceiving the, nations. the nations. And so the gospel's going to, disciples are going to be made of all nations. And then Matthew 12, this is, here's another image that God gives us of this same thing. Jesus is the strong man who does what? Bind. Or sorry, he's, he's the one who binds the strong man. Binds the strong man. And then what does Jesus go about doing? Plundering his house. Okay, so, so the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, Satan is now bound from deceiving the nations so that God can make disciples of all nations. This is why the disciples can have hope in preaching the gospel all through the book of Acts. This is why Paul says, goes to the Jews first, but then when the Jews, you know, he gets a, gathers a few Jews who have believed in Jesus and say, yes, he is the Christ, which is what they're proving there, right? And, and, then, uh, um, and, and then they say, fine, we'll go to the Gentiles. Because they're fully confident that the nations have been, um, uh, are no longer being deceived by Satan. And so disciples can be made. Now, is each and every person not being deceived? Right? No. And what, how do we know that? There are people going to, there are people dying in disbelief. Anything in scripture we see too? So that's one thing. Just we know that in reality. The concept people, of election. Yeah, the concept of, ele of election. Okay, there are some, and Jesus talks about this, Paul, John, the, the, all the, Peter, um, they talk about election. And so some will believe from where? The nations. From all the nations. Some will believe and some will perish. But, this in the Old Testament, it was almost all from the nations were perishing. Right? We can name on one hand the number from the nations who didn't perish. Right? We can probably name just two. Rahab and Ruth. Yeah. A Moabite and a Canaanite. Zipporah. Okay, Zipporah. Yeah, Midianite. Um, uh, and so... Um, Satan is bound, uh, Revelation 20, um, from deceiving the nations until the thousand years were ended. And then look at the end of verse 3. What's the last little sentence there, phrase? Must, must be set free for a short time. And then there's this little hiatus, verses 4 through 6, that says, okay, what's going on in heaven during this time? Okay, and we've talked about that the last few weeks. What's going on in heaven during this time? Okay, yeah. So, so we have this from, from Revelation 6 and from uh, Revelation 20. Um, dead believers, and particularly there's assurance that martyrs are around the throne of Jesus. And what are they doing with Jesus during the thousand years? Ruling and reigning for a thousand years. Okay, um, 
and among other things, talking to him, worshiping him, and which we also find out in other parts of Revelation. Um, and so that's, you know, that's verses four through six. Okay, now what's going on during the thousand years in heaven? Four through six. And then verse seven, back online, back on topic. You see there? Because what's, how's verse seven start? When the thousand years are over. How did verse three end? The thousand years started. Yeah, yeah the, the, the thousand years are going, and then he must be set free for a short time. And so when you get to verse 7 here, when the thousand years are over, what happens? Satan will be released from his prison. Satan will be released from his prison. So, yeah, so, and go on to deceive the nations. Do you see how this is all fitting together? Um, so the thousand years, um, thousand years are over, and... Satan reaches, at the end of this thousand years, his, the ending of his binding. Okay? Now, he was bound in what way? From deceiving the nations. And so now, anyone who's left who's not elect at this point. Now, tie in here Revelation 6. What's the answer to the martyrs around Jesus' throne who say, How long, sovereign Lord, that word is despot, by the way. <laughs> How long, sovereign Lord, uh, you know, whole intro, until, yeah, until, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And the answer is, yeah, to wait till the, the number of those. So this is Revelation 6, um, uh, 9, 9 through 12, 9 through 11. Um, Wait till the, the number of those who um, are to be killed as you have been, has been completed. And so when that number of elect is completed, then Jesus will judge the inhabitants of the earth and the blood of those believers who have died for their faith and killed because they were believers will be avenged. And so this is all happening now. Into the thousand years, Satan is no longer bound. So um, the bound part is out there. And he can deceive the nations. Everyone who's left, everyone who's not elect, everyone who's not one of these brothers and fellow servants of, of chapter 6, um, verse 11, um, is, is deceived. And then what, what happens here um, that we read about in verse, verse uh, 8? Yeah. Final battle is, is what, you know, the short term for this. Satan goes out and he gathers all the unbelievers together. Um, and, and he's able to do that in a, a very forceful, you know, forceful uh, way um, there. Um, and then let's see, go on. Who's left? Mallory, are you up in reading or did you read? We, we did finish that whole thing, didn't we? Okay. And so then, um, uh, he, uh, gathers, um, gathers them for battle. Okay. Um, and how many people does he gather for battle? What are they like? Sand on the seashore. Sand on the seashore. So everyone but the elect. So it's the 90%, not the 10%. And who does he gather them against? 
the camp of God's people, so the church, probably not geographically just all put in one place, but probably just all, all over the earth. Um, and, but then what, but then what happened? So he set, set for, this is all a short time, right? He set free a, for a short time that he might deceive the nations. We don't know if that's a day or two weeks or, or what, uh, but it's a short time. Um, and then what is, what happens then in final battle? Yeah. Fire comes down from heaven and devours them. Devours them and then where's a, we have a ge geography thing here too what what do we learn yeah who's who's thrown into the lake of burning sulfur the devil the devil and who had been thrown there just before the beast and the false prophet yeah so the 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 sea beast the land beast the, the land beast is the false prophet identified for us earlier in, in chapter 13 um, the land beast and the false prophet are the same, um, and and then the sea beast um, thrown into the into the lake of burning sulfur. Is the lake of burning sulfur different than the lake of fire? No, God uses synonyms. Yes, lake of burning sulfur, by the way, is is talked about in Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament as well. Yeah, uh, Jim. So can you say that the deceit that, that the devil did was deceiving the nations and the people of Canaan? battle against God again. That yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and we don't know the um, amount of consciousness that people will have that they are fighting God himself. Um, but it could very well be that. If you look back at like verses, uh, chapter 17 and 18, you know, it's a battle against the Lamb. Um, and, and, you know, so, um, but anyway, uh, Jesus wins the battle. Um, and we, we saw a bigger spread of that battle in chapter 19 as well, where Jesus comes riding on his white horse, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, written on his, on his thigh, and, and uh, his people and angels behind him dressed in white linen, okay. which is something we also see in chapter 6 with the, the saints around Jesus' throne during John's time. Uh, they're, they're given robes of, of, of white linen. Okay. Um, and told to wait a little longer, but now that time has come. Okay, um, so Satan's bound, and there is this, um, uh, he gathers the nations together, and we get final battle here. Um, final battle, one way of describing the victory of Jesus is, you guys have named it already, and what was it say there? What comes from heaven? Fire from heaven comes and consumes them. Um, and I think this is synonymous as well for um, final judgment. There's a kind of a, a molding together or a putting to get melding together of, of uh, uh, final battle and final judgment. But again, a, a picture for us to see is that um, you, you do have in wars a final battle, a Yorktown. But then you also have the treaty that establishes who won, who lost, and what are the penalties. Okay, so you got the you know Treaty of Versailles, or you know that you got Appomattox, or or whatever, which is coming out of final battle, but it puts on paper legally um, who's won, who's lost, and what the penalties are. And so final judgment comes at the end of final battle. Yeah. Yeah.
Um, does that make sense, Ingrid? Yeah, crystals. Um, looks like in chapter 19, we're following behind Jesus. Yeah, those in white robes are following behind him in final battle. Yeah, if we if we have so uh, uh, what uh, Paul talks to the Thessalonians about in uh, First Thessalonians four is is that when Jesus appears, um, uh, uh, that uh, he's he's followed by um, uh, the resurrection happens of, of the believers. They follow Jesus in the in the battle. Yeah, um, and those who are alive during that time are taken up with him and follow him in battle. So, you know, essentially, he comes from heaven and says, hey, I'm here, raises us up if we're on the earth at that time, uh, and then uh, head behind him in battle. Yeah. I just want to, I've got a second question, yeah. clarify uh, off of Emily's question. So, <clears throat> now, mm -hmm. there's no demons here on earth. Uh, no, angels are, are, angels are around us. Okay, but scripture says this. Okay, angels from God, home base heaven. Angels from hell, home base hell. Okay, and and this is we we have spiritual battle going on, and Satan is accomplishing things on the earth through his demons, but he's limited. Okay, uh, but but you see that all through Scripture. I mean, uh, there's not an absence of of satanic presence on the earth, yeah. right? Yeah, Matthew. So this, this question goes back to the beginning um, of class, but the differentiation between judgment, like when you die and you head to heaven or you head to, to hell, yeah, and then there's final judgment, those individuals, those mm -hmm. souls, when they're reunited with the body, are also finally judged. Yes. There's no indication of reversal. Right. right. No one gets surprised in Luke 16, uh, Lazarus and the rich man. Once, once someone dies, that is that is set. That's set. Okay, so I don't want to, you know, mix terms, but yeah. it is kind of a final judgment once you die because there's no change. The preliminary judgment is 100% accurate. Okay, and then and then sentencing is kind of what happens. That's right. Okay. Yeah. The second thing was with respect to charismatics that you know talk about the, you know spirit of finding things or whatever right do they not see the irony uh in the parallel between saints and spirits like you know saint uh you forgot this was sissy yeah the sissy animal. guy and yeah. the animal guy yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, and and such like their charismatics are protestant so it does seem that this would run counter to that prevailing view of I guess a minimalistic approach, you know, to the, to the spiritual realm, you know. Um, so I, I guess I, my question is, where does that originate from? And then the final observation: Where does what original? This right. idea that there's spirits, specific spirits for, you know, doing well on exams and, you know, healing. Yeah, I'm not sure about the, the origination of that. Um, here's and. and if you name something that's not in scripture and speak about it confidently, all of a sudden you're the authority and people admire you. Okay. So, I mean, that's the char charismatic books sell. 
Dispensational premillennialist books about the end times sell because you're saying things that isn't clear and that aren't clear in scripture and saying them with authority. And it's, so it's like God spoke to me. And if I say God spoke to me, then if you don't listen to me, you're unfaithful. And so you're, 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 you're pressuring the, the, the uh, sociological dynamic there, the interpersonal dynamic there is you're pressuring somebody to follow you. And some of that's intentional. Some of it is completely not intentional. Yet it's what cult leaders do. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah. it's almost the same as the, the Roman Catholic Church when they developed these things because there was yes. no literal literacy to check it. Yeah. And there is a biblical literacy now in certain denominations that allow this thing to happen. Yeah. Now, the final thing, uh, sorry to you know, triple up here, but with respect to the, the angels serving us, yeah. they don't serve us in the sense that we direct them. They serve God and God directs them for our benefit. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. All right. Got it. Okay. Um, good. So um, we said on that so far. So so that's right. That's Revelation tw uh, twenty um, there. Um, so far, um, let's go. Th let's go through these things. Brenda, could you read this second bullet for us? <laughs> Okay, um, how about verses 7 through 10? What, what's described there that happens when the thousand years are over? First thing. Yeah, Satan's released from prison, and what's he do? Yeah, he gathers people for final battle. So uh, verses 7 through 10, uh, we've got a final battle uh, there. And then verses 11 through 15, let's take a look, let's take a look at this now. Um, so, uh, John, can you read verse 11, and then we'll go back. Or then uh, Elijah and then Jeff and across the Narrens until we're down to verse 15. So verse 11. Then I saw a great white horse, or I'm sorry, great white throne. The rider of the great white horse is on the great white throne, so that's close. <laughs> then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second Okay, um, so what do we have here? What's this a scene? What What's this scene? Final judgment. Final judgment. Okay, and so who's on the judgment throne? Jesus. Jesus is. Um, and then um, tell me about the books that we see in this scene. Okay, there's a book of life, and then what else? A book of recorded deeds. Yeah, the books of recorded deeds. And so here we have not to we have a final judgment it's a okay let's make this official okay and is it fair yes is it just yes how do we know it's fair and just okay yeah you're giving all the good theological answers now give me a biblical answer 
There's evidence to support it. Okay. The final judgment. And, and what's the evidence that we see in these the verses? Books. The, books. the books. And so twice we have this listing. Everyone was judged according to what he had done as recorded in the books. And so nobody can complain at being tossed into the lake of fire because they've just had reviewed with them the very things they spoke throughout their lives, the very things they did throughout their lives, the very things they thought of before uh, throughout their lives. And there's a recognition, this is just. There's no accusation of misunderstanding or... Right. No accusation of misunderstanding, no um, legal loophole. It's just truth. Everything, you know, you know, not just any skateboard, you know, it's, it's everything. It's, it's written down there. That's right. Um, but it's, but it's written down there and there is, this is part of, um, we'll, we'll have it in our, our gospel lesson this, this morning. This is part of Jesus as he's talking with the, the Pharisees. He says, not only did I, do I give life, but I'm the final judge. Uh, verse 22 of John 5, moreover, the father judges nobody, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. Verse 23, that all may honor the son, just as they honor the father who sent him. And so Jesus, Jesus does all judgment. And uh, this is something that God judges. God the Father judges through Jesus. But Jesus is this final judge. And we see this many times in the New Testament that um, even once in the Old Testament, there is a man that God has set forth to judge all men. Um, and, and that man is Jesus. That's in the Old Testament. Yeah. It's Matthew. difficult for me to, to divorce this from our current judicial system. So, you know, apologies yeah. if I'm, you know, square peg round hole here. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that the element of guilt is wanting, mm -hmm. right? So then every subsequent resuscitation of other things goes towards the determination of punishment, right? Because mm -hmm. punishment is, is according to you know, how bad, bad you were. Okay, so, so salvation, let's, let's, put, let's put in these terms in yeah. chapter 20. Salvation is based on what in chapter 20 here? Whether or, you're in the book of life. Whether you're in the book of life. Uh, did you write your own name there? No. 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 Who wrote your name there? Jesus. God the Father did. Who, who saved those whose names God the Father wrote in the book of life? Jesus. Jesus. And who makes sure they believe? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay, all three members of the Trinity are involved in our salvation. And so, and that's by grace. That has nothing to do with us. Okay. Um, uh, but then uh, uh, the, what is, what is, and the justice of us getting saved happened when? At the, At the cross. Okay. So we don't, we don't pay for our sins in the uh, book or in the uh, um, lake of fire, which would be just. Because Jesus, infinite God, died for our sins, burying our sins in his body on the cross. Uh, he, he pays this penalty for us. And so God is just in our salvation because he has punished our sins upon Jesus. And then he's also just in the punishment, casting into the lake of fire um, of unbelievers. Um, and they're punished justly according to what they have done. So 
moral, nice non-believers are punished more or less than wicked non-believers. Less. less. Because God is just. just. God is not unfair in the way he punishes. Um, he's even fair to those who have spurned him. Okay, isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in a, in a sense, I'm sorry, uh, in a sense. Go ahead, Christina. Yeah. So an unbeliever, Mother Teresa, or, yeah. she is not punished as bad as Adolf Hitler. Correct. Right? Yep. Because God is just. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, in, 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 in a sense, there is a certain correctness to Dante's Inferno. Not maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. There, yeah. there, there's, there's justice yeah. uh, in there, and so, you know, and go, go back to um, Revelation six. You know, how long until you judge the inhabitants of the earth? So, they're asking about final judgment. Judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Okay, so those who have actually killed a Christian because he was a Christian, that death will be avenged for that death. So there's there's justice there. It's not just, oh yeah, punish him the same as all who didn't believe in Jesus. No, Jesus says, you went after one of my daughters. You went after one of my sons. Your God the Father can say that. Jesus can say brothers and sisters. Um, but um, and, and so... Um, he's taken note of that, and that note is in the book of the books of recorded deeds. And that's why um, Paul's able to say to us as Christians um, that we should uh, take no vengeance. Re or Romans 12:19. Um, vengeance is mine, God says, I will repay, saith the Lord. Uh, this is why we can forgive. Okay, this is all gospel stuff. Why do I forgive? Because God's going to punish. If I don't forgive, I'm punishing. Right? Even if it's just in my own spirit. And so we say, God, your punishment is right. It's the right amount. It's not only accurate, but it's good. And I'm going to leave that to you. So Jesus says, you know, John or uh, Matthew 7, 7, Judge not, lest you act like one of the people who will be judged. Um, and so this this frees, see, all, of the, all the good theology works together, right? Why do we forgive? Not just because we're mamby-pamby pansies. We forgive because we know Jesus is coming in vengeance. And so... We don't have to, you know, and that's what Paul talks about in, in Romans 12, where we don't take vengeance. He says, leave room for the wrath of God is what he says there in Romans 12. When he says, you know, I will repay, saith the Lord, vengeance is mine. Leave room for the wrath of God. Don't you be a dispenser of my wrath. So if someone hits you on the cheek, turn to them your other cheek. If they ask you to do more labor than they're paying you for, say, sure, I'll go another mile I'll and I'll carry your stuff. Uh, because Jesus will sort it all, he'll sort it all out and, and justice will be done. Faith, yeah. Um, this kind of got to me, so. Okay. Um, so, no, you can't 
Yeah. Yes. Faith's bringing up another aspect that's very much taught in Scripture. Why, why don't we judge? Well, because that's not our job. That's the job of Jesus as determined by the Father. He has entrusted all judgment to the Son, John 5, 22. And so we're not the judge, but it's not time for judgment either. Okay, that's, that's in the future, final judgment. But also, we don't know all the facts to make accurate judgments. So for some reason or another, I was thinking about one of my favorite shows yesterday, Smallville. Smallville is about Clark Kent growing up. Anyone watch Smallville? Okay, yes. Um, so I, I watched about five seasons of it live um, and then uh, got disinterested. But then it came on Hulu a few years ago and I watched every episode from start to end. It's so good. But one of the things is Clark Kent is saving the lives of all his friends who are then getting mad at him because he didn't show up for prom because <laughs> he was out saving their lives. They'd be dead. And they're standing there in their shoes, mad at him, not knowing that they'd be dead if it weren't for him. And he has to stand there and say nothing because he knows that if they know his secret, they'll be endangered. And, and, and just what a picture. You know, so we don't judge other people. We're not like, you know, Lana or <laughs> you know, those other people in Smallville who are judging Clark over and over because we don't know their motivations. We don't know why they did it. It looks like this, but maybe there was a good reason for them doing what they did. Um, or maybe, you know, it was just they had a hard day and I should lay off. All right. Um, and so... So that's one of the, another one of the reasons we don't judge. Jesus knows all the motives. And so he judges accurately according to the circumstances, the motives. We even do that in our own courts, right? So we distinguish between murder and, and manslaughter. Your manslaughter is when you kill someone and you, didn't, you weren't intent on, you didn't wake up that morning and say, I'm going to kill this person. Uh, but... But sentencing is different because we're trying to distinguish motives and situations and circumstances, that kind of thing. One last question. We'll, we'll on, a, on a more macro level, too, not everybody's forgiven either. So, and we don't know those people who receive that gift of forgiveness yeah. as well. So mm -hmm. like you, could, you, know, you could decide not to forgive someone who has been forgiven, and therefore you're not emulating Jesus and then right you're at odds with the judgment of God himself right, and then yeah. you could not forgive someone who by pure coincidence was right or whatever mm -hmm. but we don't know that so right. so it's the same principle yeah. of we don't know when God's coming back so yes. just act or Jesus rather sorry um so just act like yeah you know yeah. everyone's deserving of forgiveness yeah and so yeah so we 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 forgive because Jesus will take vengeance. Um, Jesus will make all things right. He is just. And if, say that person's not a Christian and they do something awful to you and you don't take vengeance and you forgive them and then they become a Christian or say they are a Christian and they're being a snob, <laughs> right? We all sin against people every day. We're Christians and we need people to forgive us. Um, is God unjust then because he doesn't punish that person for their sins? How do we get out of that one? 
already punished Jesus. He punished Jesus for their sins. And we say, God, that is enough for me. I am not a better judge than you. And the punishment Jesus took is adequate, and I am satisfied. I am not going to call the death of Jesus inadequate for the sins of this Christian person or non-Christian person who's become a Christian. I'm not going to call that punishment you deserve Jesus for their sins inadequate because dare I insult you and trample on your blood and say it's not, it's, it wasn't valuable enough or it wasn't enough. Okay, and so, and that frees us. You know, in the great words of Will Smith, you know, the, what, what's the, just the two of us in one of the rap parts, he's got this great line, which I'm forgetting now. It's like, um, we forgive because if we don't, that'll destroy us too. You know, non-believers recognize that. If we hold grudges, then our lives are directed by a grudge, mm -hmm. right? Or, 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 or and we're, we're all tied up inside about stuff. And that, mm -hmm. that harms us. Um, and so, you know, again, all good theology works together. We forgive people. It's healthy for us. We live longer <laughs> because we're not all tied up trying to dole out, you know, and like sometimes, you know, if you get, you know, really mad and, you know, you say, well, I'm going to sneak up in the middle of the night and put cow manure in a bag and light it up at that person's doorway. But you know what? You got rings now. <laughs> and, then, and then you go to jail, right? And then so God saves us from the stupid stuff we would do taking our own vengeance. Um, and when you find out, too, here's the other good thing. When someone else finds out you've been wronged in a really bad way and that you never took vengeance. What is that third party's view of you? They're like, that guy's awesome. That woman's awesome. They knew this person did this to them and they, and they were kind to them. And so boom, right there, that's the blessing of God. We follow his ways and, and he blesses us. We actually look good. Um, and not that that's our motivation, but it, it happens. All right, let's pray.